you know, I was thinking about uh, the message today, and I'm thinking, you know, a lot of the struggles that, that, that I have in my life, and probably it's true with you, they, they come because I stop looking to God for my joy and my hope and, and my uh, purpose and meaning, and I find them in things other than God. That's really what it comes down to. And Jeremiah captures that idea. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Jeremiah says this, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And essentially what Jeremiah is saying to the people is the same thing we're going to see. Paul is going to be describing that what we tend to do is, instead of going to God, who is the living water, instead of going to Him, we try to make our own little wells. We drink from our own little wells. But the problem is they don't hold water. They have cracks in them. They, they've got flaws. They, don't, they, they promise big things, but they, don't, they can't deliver. And, and essentially, that's why we struggle. Um, somebody has said, and I think it's true, that most human relationship problems from, fam- from marriage to family, friendships to neighbors, classmates to colleagues, all of them can be... Uh, can be really boiled down to this. We have looked to other gods. We've looked to other things, things other than gods. We're drinking from bone-dry wells, and we're dying daily. So Paul speaks about this bondage, and he's warning the people in the book of Galatians and and the region uh, that he's writing to in the churches of Galatians. He's saying, if you take the gospel, which is good news, and basically says that that Christ came to save you and He set you free. And if you go back to this old way, if you go back to these old idols and you say, I'm going to do my best, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to follow the law, I'm going to keep the law, I'm going to, I'm going to, do, I'm going to create a resume that one day I can present to God and say, you must let me into heaven because look at all I've done for you. You just lost your freedom. And... Uh, the minute you, you, you don't accept and understand the grace of God, you've lost the gospel. And Paul says essentially, when you add to the gospel, you've lost the gospel. Jesus plus anything, you lose everything. So, Galatians chapter 4, eight, chapter, or page 892 in your chair Bible, if you'd like to follow along with me. I'm going to read the third verse, and then I'm going to jump down and read a couple of verses, like starting at verse 8. So here we go. Paul says this, we, are, we were like children, we were slaves to the basic principles of this world. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to the so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or I should say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain months or days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps my hard work with you was for nothing. Now we want to look at this phrase Paul uses. He uses this phrase, um, useless spiritual principles. Paul's saying, you, have, you were set free. The cell door is open. You were a prisoner, but now you're free. But you're going back in the cell. You're, you're following these useless spiritual principles. So the question is, what is he talking about? Now, this phrase can be used as the ABCs. In other words, Paul's saying, you're going back to the ABCs of the universe. You're going back to the old pagan practices. 
And, you know, it could be that it's what he's saying. I don't really think it is. And, and, and essentially what Paul's saying to them, you need to grow up and you need to mature. But he seems like he's overreacting, if that's all it is. But in the ancient world, and I think what he, Paul's doing is he's, he's, he's talking about the, this idea that the people are not just... Go, they're just not in the fundam, They're not just in the stuck in the ABCs. He's saying there's something much darker. There's something something much deeper going on here. In in the ancient world, behind everything, there was a god. There was a spirit. There was a power. They, so there was a god of fertility. There was a god of the sky. There was a god of the sea and the storms and and just about everything. There was a there was a god. There was a spirit. There was something. And uh, so Paul is saying, essentially, if you go back to keeping the rules of the law you'll, so that you'll be accepted with God, you're moving back to paganism. In other words, he's saying you're trying to... You see, what these, what these spirits would do is you would say, well, I want my cattle to... to Produce, reproduce. So I'm going to offer, I'm going to offer this offering to the God behind fertility, so that I, my 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 or my crops, you know, or so I get good weather, or so when I go on a voyage, the sea doesn't take my boat down. I'm going to offer and appease these gods. And essentially, what Paul is saying is, if you go back to that that view that that you can do these things to to appease God, that one day you'll have this resume and it'll appease God and God will say, you did it. And you don't understand the Gospel because there's only one person that can appease God. It is God Himself and it is Jesus Christ who came with that sacrifice. And essentially that's what Paul is saying. Martin Luther said this, he says, if we doubt and do not believe that God's gracious, God is gracious to us and is pleased with us, or if we presumptuously expect to please Him only through and after our works, then it is all pure deception, outwardly honoring God, but inwardly setting up uh, ourselves as false saviors. And essentially what, what, uh, what Luther is saying is the same thing that Paul is saying, is that if you add anything to the Gospel and you think you're going to appease God by your actions, you just left the Gospel. The Gospel has just left the room. So essentially, Paul is saying that you're setting up an idol. And the idol is simply that you're treating something that is, is a God that isn't, that is taking the place of God. And Paul is saying, essentially, what he's saying is, if you add anything to gospel, and usually what we add to the gospel are our own good acts, our own behavior, our own, you know, whatever goodness, whatever you want to call it, when the minute you do that, it, it all really boils down to your goodness. It has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you think that you're going to stand before God one day, and if He says, why should I let you have, you're going to start going on, you, you know, I do this, and I believe this, and I do that. You just don't understand the Gospel. You don't understand the Gospel. Now, Martin Luther said something that was quite interesting. Because we think of idols, we think of these little statuettes that uh, third world countries have, and, and they, they leave you know, offerings for them. And we don't have idols in our day. We're, we're an educated, enlightened group of people. But Martin Luther would say, and, and Paul would say, we have idols. Every one of us have idols. We're going to talk more about that. He actually said that uh, uh, every, every sin that we ever commit really comes down to this, that we are violating the first or second commandment. We're really violating both of them. What's the first command? You shall, you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, right? You shall have no other gods, right? No other gods. And then what's the second one? No images. 
No images. So essentially, and, and an image is just really a replacement of God, something that you put in God's place. Essentially, it's an idol. And, and essentially what, what, uh, what Martin Luther said is every sin we commit is a violation. It's absolutely a violation of one or two, the, the first two commandments. And Paul is saying that if you go back to keeping the law, you've created an idol and you've lost your freedom. Well, how do these idols enslave us? And I need to describe what idols are and how, you know, what, how they play out. And we'll be a little more practical here in a minute. Paul says this. Notice in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to be there in a few weeks, but we're not there now. But I want to read a verse from there. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, he uses this word desires. And essentially, it, Paul is saying there are some things that we want too much, that we, we over-desire, that we desire too much, that we, we say, I must have this. And essentially what Paul is saying, what Martin Luther is saying, essentially is every one of us has these things that we want more than God, that we rely on more than God, that we think that, that, that if we have this, it will be, you know, it's not just Jesus. Jesus isn't enough. We need to have Jesus plus this. Essentially, and that's the whole message of Galatians is that Jesus isn't enough. But here's the point. When you take a good thing and you turn it into an ultimate thing, it becomes an idol. And, and you can take very good things, you know, like I want to have a family. I want to be in this relationship. I want a job that's fulfilling. I want to, you know, spend my time in this hobby, whatever. It can be a good thing, but it, be, it can become a, an incredible thing. I could want it too much. I can over-desire it, which is the word Paul's using here for, uh, for uh, you know, wanting something too much. And, and basically, it becomes all-consuming. We become a slave to it. We become, we become, we, we actually say to ourselves, if I don't have that, then I don't have anything. I, I, I can't. So let me give you a couple of examples so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. Then I'm going to get a little more specific here, uh, but I think it will be helpful. So you would say, well, I don't think, Pastor, that I have any idols. I don't think I have anything in my life that, that I'm leaning on more than God. Well, number one, you're a liar. But uh, besides that, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, Enjoyment is not a bad thing, right? Pleasure is not a bad thing. Um, it's a good thing, but it can become an ultimate thing. It can, it can lead you to, to sin, ultimately. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, there are people that uh, commit adultery. Now, what is adultery? Adultery is you're married, but you have sex with somebody who's not your spouse. That's adultery, okay? Uh, fornication. We use the word fornication, and you know, there's a lot of old-time preachers that yell, "Fornicator, fornicator!" But you know, do you know what that word means? In our modern pop culture, fornication. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey. That's a movie about fornication, essentially, is what it comes down to. But fornication is something that is a, is a very common thing in our pop culture. It's almost looked like it looked at as though. Well, like everybody's doing it. What's fornication? That's uh, two people having sex outside of uh, uh, the marriage relationship uh, that God has set up. Okay? So it's marriage. uh, It's sex outside of marriage as God designed it. Now the question is, why do people commit adultery and why why do people fornicate? Because it's pleasurable. Okay? So... Essentially what they're saying, and I've actually had people that I've met with and talked with, and I just, we, they say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I say, okay, now you may not know this, but this is, this is sin. 
this is a, an outright violation of, of God's word. This is not what... And they, they will say, well, I'll have to think about it. I don't know what I want to do here. And it's like, okay, so essentially what you're saying is, I know that God is God, but I have this thing called pleasure that I will violate God's law because I want to have fun. I want to enjoy it. So there's a situation where you have God's... There's no, there's no debate about this. There's no, like, this is... I don't know whether this is right or wrong. You know, this, there's no debate whether it's right or wrong. Now, in our pop culture, yes, I get it. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. But here's the point. If God says it's, it's wrong and that's not a good way to get pleasure, that He's designed a way for that, and, and if you follow that, you can have it, but not outside of that, those, those boundaries, you say, but I want this and I must have it. And I won't give it up. Paul would say, you got yourself an idol. And it's a pretty strong one. You know, remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, what, what must I do? You know, I want, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, well, okay, sell all you have. Now we look at him and say, yeah, yeah, sell all you have, man. Come on. Put up or shut up, right? It's easy to point at him and say, well, his, his idol was what? Wealth, whatever it brought. Security, prestige, whatever. And he was relying. He says, you know, I, I, I got to have this. See, we all have those things going on. Let me give you another one. Bitterness. Some of us struggle with bitterness. And somebody has done something, they've said something, and it's just it's gotten into our heart. And it's not just they've done it and it, it bothered us. I mean, it's bothered us for years. It's, it's something that we just are bitter. We've allowed a root of bitterness to come. So you say, the reason you think maybe the reason your bitterness is you're mad because of what that person did to you. It's what they said about you or to you. But you know what? It's not about that. It's really that you lost something. You'll never forgive them because they've stolen something that's essential to you. I don't know what that is, but there's something behind that. It's not what they did. It's what they took. And you can't... You, it's not that you can't forgive them for what they did. You can't forgive them because they took something, they damaged something that you were relying upon that you had to have, and it's gone forever. Your bitterness comes because you had something other than God. Some, and it can be a good thing. And it, it's something... It, listen, it could be just as simple as this. You have a son or daughter, and a drunk driver just mows them down, takes them. And you not only are angry with that person, you're just bitter towards them. And it's just... The bitterness is just eating you alive. And you say, I, they took my son. They took something that was... My identity, it was, it was, I was trying to build a real, I, I, I'm never going to walk her down the aisle. I'm never, you see where that can go? And, and it, it becomes a, a bitterness, a root of bitterness in your heart. And my point is this. We have idols all the time. How do you draw, how do you destroy the bitterness in your heart? How do you do it? You say to your heart, I don't need that. I need him. I can live without that, but I can't live without you. See, we all have those idols. And, and essentially what Paul's saying is if you go back 
to following the law. You're just putting yourself under the idol of the law. You're putting yourself under the old idol and Christ has set you free. You're going to a cistern that is cracked and flawed and broken to part. It will never work. There's another one, control, and I don't really have time to come in. Some of you are control freaks. You want to control every part of your life. But there's certain parts of your life that you have under control. Maybe eating, I don't know. It's certain things, you know, eating disorders many times fall under, not because of whether how I want, but they, they want to control how I look or how I appear or whatever. And, and, and it comes down to this, it's saying, there's so many things in my life I can't control, but this one thing I am going to control and your, your, your idol has become stability or control. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. If you're struggling with control and you're struggling with the world around you, you say, I can't control it, I can't control my kids, I can't control my job, I can't control my life, I can't control my health. Jesus says, yeah, they can't. Don't worry about it. Look to me. I've got everything in control. Can you trust me? Can you trust me for today? Can you seek my kingdom? Can you drink from my well? Because you can't do these other things. Well, how do we get set free? Remember, our problem is we over-desire, we, we want too much the common things, and we under-desire our Creator and Savior. We desire uh, some things too much, and we desire God too little. The cure for our condition is to exchange our over-desire for these little idols, these cracked cisterns, for God. That's really what it comes down to. And so back to Jeremiah, just to remember where we, we started. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so God is pictured here as this refreshing uh, well. And he's saying, instead of coming to me and finding your refreshing and finding your everything, your hope, your purpose, your joy, your meaning, your everything in me, your, your enjoyment in me, instead of finding it in me, you're looking for these things your, your pop culture says, oh, if you have this, if you have this, if you have, drink here, drink here, drink here. And, and essentially what Jeremiah is saying, but they're all leaking. They all go dry. They will all leave you dry. They will never fill your heart. Our problem is, it comes down to this, that we're not captivated by his water. We're not captivated by his well. That's our problem. We're not captivated. We have all these other wells that we can drink from, these other cisterns that we can drink from, but we're not captivated by him. So the question is, how do we get to the place? Like, for instance, Psalm 41. This is going to sound like an alien. So to some of you, you're going to, I'm going to read these words, and it's going to sound like an alien is writing these. As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. This is, the, this is the, the words of somebody who drinks from the well. Who says, I need to drink from the well. I need more of the well. And, and essentially, that's essentially what we're talking about. You know, somebody who drank very deeply from the well and lived a life, and there's a lot of people that have done this, 
And you may not, some of you have heard of him, some of you haven't. George Mueller, he was a German pastor and, uh, around the 19th century, early 19th century. And he, he was known for his prayers of faith. He was known for his orphanages. And uh, let me tell you, once, one time he had uh, the children, had, and he had about 300 orphans at this time in this one place. And every day he had to feed them, find a way to feed them. And it was very, it was, you know, rough going. It was a tough time. And uh, the children would get dressed. And this particular day they got dressed and they got ready for uh, school. And they taught them and took care of them. And the lady that was in charge of the orphanage said to Mueller, we, we have nothing for them. We, we have nothing, okay? We, and he, so he says, well, take the 300 children in the dining room and have them sit at the tables. And he thanked God. He thanked God for the food and waited. Okay? And, and George knew that God was going to somehow provide. And shortly after his prayer, uh, somebody knocked at the door, and it was the baker. And the baker says, I couldn't sleep last night. I just knew that God wanted me to make you bread. And I made all this bread, and I wanted to bring it over. And so the baker brought the bread in, and as the children were eating the bread, there was another knock on the door, and a milkman uh, knocked on the door, and he said, I had my cart. It broke down. Before I can, I'm going to get this cart fixed, uh, the milk is going to go bad. Uh, can you use it? And he brought it in, and 300 thirsty children drank and ate that day. Uh, this was, a, if you read the autobiography of George Mueller, he, this is a common occurrence. This is happening all the time. The interesting thing about this is that Mueller prayed in millions of dollars for the orphans, and he never asked anyone directly money. Never. Now, I'm not saying this is a model for us, that this is the way we ought to live our lives, and as a church, this is how we ought to operate. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this is a man who drank from the well, who knew that God had called him to orphanages, that knew that God was going to provide every one of his needs, that knew that the truth that Jesus said, don't worry about uh, today what you shall eat or what you shall drink. You know, just let me know, and I will give you what you need. I will provide for you. But the, you say, well, how do you, how do you get, listen, besides the gift of faith that this man obviously had, how do you get to a place where, where uh, an ordinary person like you or me can, can have this kind of connection with God? Like David says, my, my soul pants for thee. Uh, my, my heart is just, is just captivated by you. And Mueller, who, who just, routinely went before God and says, God, I need your help. Help me. And, and God would answer. How do you get to that place? Well, Mueller tells us, he tells us, and he says this. He says, now I will give you a few hints to my younger fellow believers as to the way, he's about 88 years old, somewhere around when he writes these words. He says, I will give you some, a few hints to my fellow young believers as to the way in which to keep spiritual enjoyment. It's absolutely needful. We, we should read regularly through the Scriptures consecutively, not pick out here and there a chapter. If we do, we remain spiritual dwarfs. I tell you so affectionately, for the first four years after my conversion, I made no progress because I neglected the Bible. But when I regularly read through the whole with, with reference to my own heart and soul. In other words, he's saying, I'm not just reading it to read it. I'm reading it to speak to my heart. I'm 
asking God to speak to my heart every time I read it. I directly made progress. Then my peace and joy continued more and more. Now I have been doing this for 47 years. I have read through the whole Bible about 200 times, and I, am always, and I always find it fresh when I begin again. Thus, my peace and joy have increased more and more. And I just want to say to you that if your heart is cold to God, your cisterns are broken. And you're not drinking from the well. And you need to drink deeply from the well. You're never going to find God captivating if you aren't taking His Word on a regular basis daily. Um, If you don't take His Word in daily, you're going to continually be running after idols and pursuing their empty promises. And they will run dry. They will run dry. Um, so let me uh, read you another passage. This is from Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not... And, you know, let's take it. Blessed is the man, the woman, the young person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. When you hear the law of the Lord, just think of the Word of God. Okay, And on his law, he meditates day and night. Notice this. He says this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Some of you, your leaves are withering, and you wonder why. It's because you have forsaken the one who gives life. You have relied upon idols. You're relying upon us. We all can fall into that. It's almost like if you don't pursue God, you will pursue idols. That's really the way it happens. So how is it with you? Are you finding refreshing daily? Are you drinking deeply? Are you reading and reflecting in the Scripture? Do you have a plan? Do you have a time? Do you have a place where you you are taking God's Word in? You know, one of the reasons that I'm challenging you to read through the New Testament from now till Easter is because I'm just, and and we did the Eat This Book, where we had you challenge you to read through the the, the whole Bible. The reason we're doing that is because essentially we say we want to help people come to know Jesus, but we want to help them to grow. The only way you're going to grow, the only way you're going to grow and know God, and the only way you're going to be refreshed, and the only way that you're going to find hope and joy and peace and patience and and everything that you need, the only way you're going to be able to pull out roots of bitterness is as the Word of God speaks to your heart on a daily basis. It's the only way it will happen. I I mean, I I can't... We can't help you any more than give you opportunities and give you challenges and and say, hey, we have a New Testament reading plan out there. Grab that or, uh, you know, read through the Bible this year with us. Or I can't I can't show up at your house and say, hi, I'm here. It's time for for me to read to you. And you say, well, I'm not much a reader. Okay, fine. In in, in another day, you know, 20 years, 30 years ago, you might have had a case. But today, you can get it on your phone. You can hear it. You, can, it, 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 it. you don't have to read, read, read it. You can, you can hear it. You can listen to it. But the point is, all of our problems come down to our pursuit. Are you trusting in idols? 
They make lofty promises, but they leave you high and dry. Or are you daily drinking from the living fountain? This is it, folks. It doesn't get any more real than this. If you feel like you're far from God, if you feel like you don't have hope, if you feel like you're struggling with, with, with anger and you're struggling with patience and you're struggling with, with joy and, and, and all those things, it, it really is going to come down that you, I can almost predict you are not spending time. And I'm not talking about you have to spend an hour at five in the morning, okay? But there, there needs to be a daily time where you're just sitting down and you're saying, God, I'm opening your word. Would you speak to my heart today? And if you, have, if you say, I have no idea where to begin. I don't even have a Bible. There's chair Bibles. Take one of the chair Bibles with you. Start today. And take the Gospel of John and just read a chapter a day and say, God, speak to my heart today. Drink from the well. Drink from the well. The more you drink from the well, the more captivated you'll be by the well. The more amazed you'll be with God. The more you'll be filled and the less likely you'll be to look to idols. See, our biggest problem is we're not captivated enough by, you know. See, Carol and I have been married for 32 years, okay? I'm captivated by her. I don't look at other women because I don't, there's, I'm, I'm sorry, there's some really nice women out in the world today, but I've got to be honest with you. I found a beautiful woman that, that I want, okay? She captivates me. I don't go looking. The reason we look is because we're not captivated. And the reason we're not captivated is because we're not drinking from the well. We're not amazed by it. We're not stunned by it. We're not taken to When we become amazed by God, we become captivated by Him. We'll say, why would I play around with that? I don't need that. I have Him. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Help us, Father. Uh, it's it's a, a world with a lot of idols. We haven't even talked about how they're promoted in our pop culture and how they're lifted up high and the promises that they scream and shout all the time. But when push comes to shove... When we lay our head on our pillows at night, we realize that those are empty, broken cisterns that can't deliver anything of what they promise. But thank You, Father, that Your Word, even Jesus said, man, women, children, young people shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Father, may we be so captivated by You through Your Word that we will look nowhere else for our refreshing, for our hope, for our joy, for our peace, for our salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.